Hey comrades, Kyle here. Before we get into today's episode, this is going to be a talk about the war in Ukraine. We're going to be talking about why you as a communist should not be supporting America and NATO, you should not be supporting Ukraine, and you certainly should not be supporting the Russian Federation. This is a reminder that we as proletarian of the world are to be uniting together to overthrow all of these governments, that we should use this imperialist war to, that is weakening our governments, that is weakening the bourgeoisie class. We should use this to strike while the iron is hot. I left out one of the most important parts to the argument here. In this episode, I talk about why or how I'm seeing a bunch of communists that are pro-Putin, which is such a bootlicking stance. It's such a bending over for the fascist uh, military sort of thing. And I left out one of the most important rebuttals. People will say to me, Kyle, the Communist Party, the Russian Federation, the CPRF, they recognize Donetsk and Luhansk, and that's the problem. You know, they, they, they put this forward. It must be a communist socialist war. I want to remind you that the Communist Party of the Russian Federation is appointed opposition. They are a functionary body within the Russian government. They are subservient to Putin. At any time, he could dismiss them. This is a person that rewrites the Russian constitution, uh, carte blanche, and does what he wants. These people are not communists. They are yes-men. They are there to say, oh, you wanted me to do it, boss? Let me do it. Talk to real Russian people. I urge you, please don't be a Westerner that's like, I think that the Communist Party of the Russian Federation is cool. No, no, no. There's actually real cool ones out there. I assure you, there's real cool ones out there and they do amazing stuff. Like they are, they are the real deal. The, the policies that they push are communist. Again, they're smaller groups. The way to go about finding out some of those ones one, make friends with fellow communists, Russian communists online. There's still groups that push forward Iskra and all kinds of great works like Lenin was involved with. There are also some websites out there. I want to say, uh, believe it or not, Wikipedia introduced me to a bunch. Whenever the war broke out, there were a bunch of Russian communist parties, uh, not the official one, of course, but there were communist parties within Russia that had disagreed with the communist party stance, the primary one. So, uh, Go check those out. Those groups are amazing. Do challenge the norm. Enjoy the episode. Just remember, don't align with any of these countries. I promise you, you just become an opportunist. There is no winning for the socialist order if Putin wins. There's no winning for the socialist order if Biden wins. Um, there is no good to come of any of that. Please go network with communists from Ukraine, communists from Russia, communists from every country. They exist a lot of times in the shadows because they have to, but be a good comrade. Do not sit at home in the West and poo-poo on people. Do not be a weird reverse racist and discount these people's opinions. Don't say, well, I'm advocating on behalf of the Russians, but I won't read their their comments. That's actually what I meant by reverse racism. I didn't mean it in the traditional sense. I just meant like, don't say you're supporting Russia and then discount what Russian communists have to say. That is racism. That is you being a colonizer mindset. And I've seen it quite often. I don't think it's my listeners here, but if they're out there, if that's your friend, if that's your best comrade that's doing that, it's time for a talk, a harsh, harsh talk. Sit them down, make them read Lenin, force them to. There's nothing wrong with communists forcing other communists to read. I know it sounds like you're taking someone's will away, but like, don't let bad anti-communists in our group to pervert and to manipulate. I'll talk a lot more about this in this episode, but I hope you enjoy. It's a very interesting little ramble rant I gave today. It talks all about 
comments I've received on TikTok, and we talked through some rhetoric around that. Enjoy. Hello, comrades. Privyet Tavarashi. Kyle here. You are listening to Kyle's Communist Book Club. Today, we are going to be talking about books. For those that have been listening to the last couple episodes, we've been using this platform, this space, as mostly a rant box to let off some steam about current world events, but also focus on how to enhance ourselves as communists. I have very much been enjoying the works of Socialism for All. They are a fantastic YouTube channel. The uh, main person for the channel reads out tons of great works. Lenin, Stalin, uh, there's many more. I recently listened to one by Alexandra Kalanti, a prominent Bolshevik that preached about um, a progressive sex and sexuality space in the, in the great October Socialist Revolution. Really fantastic works over there. We're going to be talking about a couple that were just uploaded about three days ago at the time of the recording. That puts it around August 6th, I want to say. The ones in particular I want to call out uh, titled The Working Class and the National Question by Lenin, More About Nationalism by Lenin, and The European War and International Socialism by Lenin. These are three fantastic works all about imperialism. I don't want to fully speak for the author of Socialism for All, but I believe that they set these works up to have a really poignant topical conversation. We're seeing a fracture within communists around the globe. When I use the word communist, I do mean self-described communist people that either use the hammer and sickle in their name or just choose to call themselves communists or even socialists. The fracturing we're seeing is not at all shocking. It looks to be something that was seen in the Second International, where World War I's about to break out, and a bunch of uh, communist socialist leaders at the time actually ended up siding with the bourgeoisie. Lenin termed these people opportunists. What is all of this for our comrades that have no idea? I want to try and distill this. So the proletariat or proletariat class, we are that. We are the workers. We are the people that do not own the means of production. We sell ourselves. We sell our time. We sell our labor. And in doing so, we hope to earn enough money that we can survive. But if economic situations change, if there's overproduction in a factory, if uh, an item is no longer needed for many, many, many different reasons, we can be laid off. And we have no real recourse in that matter. Again, we don't own the factory, so we don't have a say in changing the product. We don't have any kind of control over that. We also don't own most of the tools for our own craft, too. We, uh, we end up leaving the factory and we're on our own. We live in this world with a gig economy, too. This is where a lot of people are working for themselves. I do want to make it clear. I'm not an expert like to the nth degree on all of this. But I want to make it clear that when we talk about the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, uh, Pretty much all workers these days are falling into the proletariat. It is changing shape a little bit. One could say, was well, a podcast where you own your own means of production, but I really am like small beans in a massive, massive, massive sea where I'm actually supported by my listeners. You all are my boss. I work for all of you. If you tune this episode out, you turn it off. 
I, um, you know, just don't get some money from it or don't get AdSense or anything like that. So again, I don't own the tools that allow me to do this. I don't own Anchor where I host my things. I don't own Google, which, you know, has more and, and, and Apple that puts my podcast out there. I don't own those things. So if any time they decide to evaporate, I also in that stead evaporate too. I might own my own microphone, but that's not the same um, sort of scale. And I want to make that clear for our people out there. You know, if you're a gig worker in an economy, if you're using your car uh, to, to run routes as like a courier or food service, you, know, you don't own Grubhub or Uber Eats. So you are not the person exploiting the masses. And that takes us back to what is the bourgeoisie. That is the upper class that is exploiting others. They do own many of the tools. So if we think about it in an older sense of factories exclusively, though those still exist all over the place, um, but if we're taking the more traditional route of factories, they own the factories. They probably don't work in them. They don't probably even show up to the factories ever. Most of the time we think of you know, Jeff Bezos, we don't think of him in Amazon facilities. And even if he goes into an Amazon uh, factory, fac you know, whatever we're calling it, a distribution hub, they he'd be more of a burden than a blessing. He's not going to be down there helping people on the line. Someone's going to have to wipe his butt, right? There's going to be a lot of butt kissing and door opening, and you know, he's just destroying and adding more work to people's plates. So I just want to kind of just draw that distinction that we've got this upper class that is the bourgeoisie versus the proletarian, the working class, that is the people like us. There's more detail in that, and to that, if you want to go further, I'd recommend reading Engels' Principles of Communism. It is a very short read, also on Socialism for All, so you can read it. Um, you can listen to it along with the read. I, I should say that's a really good benefit, too. If you're someone that has any sort of attention deficit disorder like me, it helps to have both at the same time. These are all also listed up on Marxist.org, so if you want to go grab the actual physical, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the written text to it, you can go read it there. So back to our topic, what are we discussing with imperialism? We got a lot of these communists who are in a fractured state. They think that when we've got a war going on between Russia and Ukraine, they're thinking that they need to back Russia. And for the record, this is not an anti-Russian people sort of conversation. I love Russian people. Most of my friends are Russians. So I just want to put that out there. I get a lot of Westerners saying, Kyle, you must be uh, chauvinist. I like to use that word incorrectly too. Now, in fact, the other piece I'm pulling from is <laughs> one that a lot of Russian communists have sent my way. It is a joint statement of communists and workers parties, no to imperialism. And this comes from the Union of Communists of Ukraine. A great piece. They penned one back around February 24th when the war started. They've penned a new one here in July. I think it was July 22nd. It is a wonderful read. I took highlights of it and put it all over my Instagram account. That's instagram.com forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Just search up Kyle Paranormal anywhere on a platform and you're going to find me. I took some really great highlights of it and actually stuck that in the highlight section. So if you want to go check it out, look for a tab called Ukraine War. That's a really good synopsis if you're just curious to see the text before diving in and actually doing the read. Basically, the communists set it up as this. There are two entities at play in this war. We have the Russian Federation and the mon monopolistic capital they have. And then we've got the United States and its NATO allies that it controls. These two groups are expanding and clashing. They want money. 
They are, neither of them are trying to bring socialism into the world. They are attempting to do nothing more than retain the ruling class, right? In the United States, the Democrats are not trying to get rid of or make a socialist state. You know, they're not trying to remove, sorry, let me rephrase that. The Democrats in America are not trying to remove any of the crappy, corrupt politicians. That is they themselves. Um, they are less awful than the GOP, in my opinion. Democrats traditionally do not argue openly for the execution of gay people or, you know, the repression of minority groups. So it makes them look a little bit more uh, playful. You know, they seem a little bit more approachable, a little more kind. But I want to assure everyone that both parties here in the U.S. are doing nothing more than maintaining the status quo. Well, the GOP wants to make the status quo worse. <laughs> they do want concentration camps back. Like, right, they're full-on fascists. There's no batting an eye, their symbology, all that sort of stuff. Again, the Democrats aren't there. They don't use that sort of stuff. They kind of sort of balk against it. But then on paper, they're fine with missile strikes, right? So it's it's not groovy. It's not good. So we've got those two in the United States that are the bourgeoisie. But we look over to Russia, what's going on there? We've got Putin who, again, cracks down on LGBT rights, who cracks down on freedom of speech in many, many, many ways. We're not talking about them cracking down on fascist commentary, right? That that would be something I think a lot of our Western friends, uh, when they think of Putin and think of a strong man, they're like, oh, he must step on the throats of fascists. Well, actually, again, I encourage you to go make Russian friends. One of my Russian comrades last night taught me the phrase Ruski with Zs. Ruski, I don't know how you'd pronounce it differently. It's Ruski, uh, but it's spelled with two Zs in there. And I love it. I thought it was great. It was attached. He used, uh, he sent that to me with a video of a bunch of younger Russian guys, 24, 25, sitting in their apartment. There are two Russian ladies there as well, about same age. And they go around the room filming themselves doing Nazi salutes. Uh, though they were doing like a Hail Putin and cheering for the special operation. Interesting that behind them was a traditional red Nazi flag with the white circle and the swastika. I thought the best touch of all to show their dedication, I almost didn't see it, was the black sun tablecloth they have on this video again there's people you know going around the room filming themselves and that's what i, I mean i want people to remember this is again not an anti-russian commentary but there's two sides of racism at play or at least one side's racist and the other doesn't understand communism but we've got the racists that are dogpiling on russia saying all russian people are terrible but then we've got these weird anti-nato folks um anti-american folks they are so far anti-America, so far anti-NATO, that they are firmly in Putin's pocket. And to be clear, as communists, referring back to the statement we'll be discussing more, as communists, we are to be against all of these oppressive regimes. America, NATO, the European Union, Russia, the Russian Federation, Ukraine, their government, China, their government. Anyone that is not fulfilling the promise of socialism is automatically an enemy of the people. Lenin writes this, Stalin writes this. Those are my list. Those are the people I uh, tend to turn to the most. I think most of you know, I'm a hardcore Leninist. If you want me to be something different, I am not that. Create your own podcast out of, you know, I'm encouraging that. Like do that, rise up. Let's, let's have more good opinions out there. Uh, that's not to say there's no good, healthy conversation, but I've had a lot of people trying to sway me recently. I uh, was very revisionist, statements trying to say that that's not what Lenin meant, that that's not what Stalin meant. 
And these people that keep trying to convince me are English speakers. And here's where a double bit of racism comes in. Those people that come at me saying, Putin's great, Putin's great. I'll say to them, hey, but here's what Russian communists have to say about Putin. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. That's chauvinist to tell me to go make Russian friends. What are you? Listen, Duolingo is free. You can download it for free. You can learn for free. There's so many creators out there on Instagram, on YouTube. Learning a language is challenging, but free. We as communists should be doing that. I really wish, (laughs) too bad I didn't think of that as a kid, like in that mindset to learn a second language so that we could be trying to bridge beyond just our proletarian class in the United States and talk to others. Um, Learning Spanish would have been a great one for me so I could have spoken to more of our South American friends uh, over here. Russian was not an option, though at the age of like 18, I knew that was something I wanted to do someday. And now that is today. I hope this is, I'm hoping I'm keeping this conversation on its tracks. To re-summarize this for everybody, there are a lot of communists, so-called, that want to side with Putin. It's very weird. They think that Putin is like bringing in a new age of communism. They are incorrect. Putin has heavily dismantled the socialist state within Russia. Putin actively works against many communists. Back to my comment about seeing Russian Nazis, he does not crack down on that kind of speech. I have seen uh, pictures from Russian friends walking down the street. One snapped a picture of a guy with a black sun tattooed on the back of his neck. I personally found the Instagram account of a Russian, uh, probably conscripted soldier, to be fair. But in the early stages of the war, right around February, I found the Instagram account of a Russian uh, soldier who was posting a picture out of a window. And on that window, he had drawn in Sharpie a black sun. It's me here dismantling the myth that all Russians are anti-fascism. This is just blatantly untrue. Fascism doesn't work around country lines. And I'm concerned that our communist friends are obsessed with upholding these false myths and notions, but also obsessed with upholding country lines. As a reminder, very openly, Lenin is against practicing socialism in one country. He is about a world revolution. He says this many times in many different places of material, different time periods that it was written. I am not the keeper of all Lenin knowledge, nor am I the keeper of all Stalin knowledge. But I will also direct people, very briefly, over to an interview that Stalin had with Roy Howard. He does a good job in this interview of describing what an imperialist war is that it is a war over resources, that it is a war fought by bourgeoisie powers to uh, antagonize and further dismay their workers, to confuse them, to prevent that unity from coming about, to prevent a world proletarian uprising. Because that is what we as communists should be aiming for. Now, not every communist in my audience is going to agree with that, and I 
suppose it's not my place to force that idea upon you. I, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. In the process, you'll end up drowning them, right? And it just doesn't work. But we need to have this conversation that those people yelling that they're extremely pro-Putin, those cannot be, by definition, cannot be communists. They are, again, as Lenin calls them, opportunists. What's an opportunist? An opportunist is someone who is in socialist circles, but when given the opportunity, they side with the bourgeoisie, the ruling class, the exploiters. Lenin says they might do this for personal gain, so they might side with the exploiters because it's financially beneficial to them. Maybe they own some kind of production line that that's going to end up helping them. Or maybe they hope to get a position in that government. Or, you know, there's many different reasons. And not all of them will have direct, tangible results. Meaning the trolls or these random people on the internet, they're not going to get a chunk of Russia, right? Putin's not going to welcome these folks in or anything of that nature. They're not going to benefit directly, but they're still taking the role of an opportunist. They can still support the bourgeoisie. It's interesting. When I look at them, I always have that kind of humanitarian part of my heart that springs into action first. It says, but Kyle, these could be real communists. They could be people that are trying to learn. And so I usually, even if they open up with a rude comment, I still try and leave something educational. It often gets swatted down. If these people were real communists, they often, they, they shouldn't be opening with attacks. But I've gotten a lot of that. Hey, commie, stop being ultra liberal. Stop, or, sorry, I don't even know if they call me ultra liberal. That just came to mind. Uh, I guess I'm thinking sort of about them. If you want to read these comments, by the way, please go over to my TikTok account. It is uh, Kyle Paranormal over there. I know a lot of my audience is probably averse to TikTok. I'm just getting that thinking podcasts and TikTok probably don't mesh as well. But it's a really good platform to do three to six minute conversations. And I've been tackling these comments teaching communists how to look at them through a rhetorical lens. As a, as a guy who's classically trained in public relations, my degree is a communications degree. I had experience sitting in those classrooms listening to what is a straw man argument? What is, uh, you know, all these different terms, all these different types, very boring classes. What I learned from it is that the stuff we use online to define straw man is often very incorrect. I can't even remember the formal definition of a straw man argument. It's not that simple and it's not the one we're all thinking of. There's just such a, I guess, colloquial or um, just modern culture take on these terms. I've sort of noticed that communist types, these ones that are arguing against us, they'll throw out things. Again, like I mentioned the word chauvinist. Um, Lenin uses that word as... Uh, that is to describe nationalists. That is to describe imperialists, people that are supporting their country and are pushing it out aggressively. So again, chauvinists are not communists, right? But people are, are using that word incorrectly. They're using the word gaslighting incorrectly. They're using all these things as rebuttals when someone is actually giving them something useful. And though it is true, I am a white man. I am also a gay man. I'm part of a minority group and a... Uh, I guess, non-minority group or, you know, uh, oppressive uh, group in general. 
don't worry, communists. I'm not saying all white men are the devil. I'm just saying we need to take real stock of the fact that our skin color brings benefits. And weirdly enough, communists have been arguing that too, saying, uh, you know, the white people have not done wrong. And it really worries me. To be very honest with this audience, it, it worries me. The lack of education that I'm seeing by so-called communists is pretty disturbing. Now, I, I recognize that I'm now 30. And when I was a communist, I, I got into it about 18. There was a big difference. I wasn't on the internet spewing my lack of information. And that's not really to insult the people that are here now. Uh, we can use dialectical materialism to look at my own life in that way and say, well, Kyle, look, you know, when you were 18, you... Twitter was around, but I wasn't very much on it. Instagram wasn't. And, uh, you know, all, a lot of these platforms, there was no TikTok in sight for, you know, another 15 years to come. It's something I don't want to hold against the people. You know, I, I don't want to hold it against them too much that there are folks that don't know communism are still in the circles, but they're they're saying inappropriate things. But the problem we've got is what they're talking about is life and death. And I really want to urge that if we've got people that are saying they're pro-Putin, they're saying they're communists, but they won't listen to Russian or Ukrainian communists, and they're dogpiling on Ukrainians, we're left with the fact that those people are just racists, xenophobic folks. They don't want to listen to people from the region. They want to take their kind of just Western eye, westernized values and shove it on everybody. Some of these people, uh, very rarely have I gotten some folks that have tried to rebut me from places like Prague and things like that, claiming that they're you know, representing Eastern Europe and that communism is bad. And one thing I've started to notice with those people is their families fled Eastern Europe. All the people that I've got that have commented negatively from Eastern Europe tend to have come from families that have already run away. I had one of them uh, recently who wrote me a message and said, well, if you love Russia so much, why don't you move there? And I said, well, one, I don't love the Russian Federation. And two, I'm staying in my country because it's my responsibility to fix things that are broken. I don't just cry and run away when I get upset. We have to take responsibility. We have to stand our ground. My country is my country. I don't love America. But because I don't love it, that means it's my job to fix it, right? The things that I hate about America, it's my job to make better. Along the way, what we need to be doing is making better friendships and connections with our comrades in Ukraine, in Russia, in Poland, in uh, China, in India, in Brazil, Mexico, you name a country, we need to be working with our comrades there because guess who is internationally working there while we aren't? If you said fascists, you are correct. Back to that comment earlier where people wrongfully misconstrue and say that there are no fascists in Russia. Fascism knows no bounds. It intentionally slinks in the dark and perverts and destroys in all corners of the world. Nazis understand imperialism. They understand spreading like a cancer. They understand the value of 
slinking in the shadows and normalizing their group slowly. They understand that there is unity in hating a single group. And if anything, if I can say something here to build on the idea of hate, I think most of my listeners know I'm not a very spiteful, hateful person. But if we're to galvanize around one type of hate, we need to be teaching our comrades and our soon-to-be comrades that they need to be actively working against the bourgeoisie, the elite ruling class, and their attack dogs, which are the fascists. The bourgeoisie historically tends to tolerate and endorse ultra-national, ultra-right-wing fascist ideology because they use it as a tool, an extrajudicial tool, to crack down on the population. The problem that always happens to some degree is that at some point the fascists get their own grouping of power together and then they take from the bourgeoisie too, meaning as well. So they, you can see this in, in, in Germany where you've got groups that like allow and endorse the Nazis to come to power and the Nazis come to power and then they you know, take those industries and command them and we, we lose a lot of like the centrist liberal type there. That's when they get executed in, to- in turn. Those people are too leftist for the right wingers, but they're too right wing for the leftists. So they themselves cling to the far right, if that makes any kind of sense to people. So again, you know, when, when, the, when the Nazi fascisty types rise in power, allowed by the bourgeoisie, they do end up cannibalizing the existing bourgeoisie, supplanting their own power, cementing their own rule. So where are we going with all of this? This is all such a reminder to organize and network abroad. There are, I would say, two really good types of communists this day and age. One, the communists that are in their local communities who are rabble-rousing there, who are getting people agitated, who are talking about communism and talking about theory. Again, locally. But then the other good type I like are the ones online doing the internationalism. That's wonderful. I'm falling into that camp these days, and I'm really happy to see it for myself because the worst thing we can do as communists is be inactive. The worst thing we can do as communists is think that posting rebuttals in the comment section is moving the needle because I assure everyone here it is not. I would go so far as to say critiquing fellow communists in the comment section will almost never get you positive results. Should we critique fellow communists when they're wrong? Yes. How should we do that? Carefully. (laughs) Carefully. You need to examine what your intentions are. Because here's me saying, should we criticize? Yes, we should. We should be self-critical all the time. We should be analyzing what we're saying all the time. We should also be criticizing. And I think in my TikTok videos, I called it like helpful gatekeeping. We should be making sure that communism is not being flooded by patriotic socialists, nationalists, people that are xenophobic, hateful, spiteful, bigoted. Another quick uh, commentary to say I had a younger guy watch one of my uh, TikTok videos 
And he said, quote, I would have said, hell yeah, but then I saw your pride flag. And I said, hell nah. And I wrote back, why? And he goes, well, I'm a radical communist. I looked at his profile. He's a Marine. He's got some American flaggy stuff on there. You're not a communist. You're a patriotic socialist at best. If, if you actually do the work of reading Lenin in theory, you know, you need to still be doing your Marx and Engels reading, right? You need to be learning theory. And I, I think a couple episodes ago, I was someone that said, look, there's a balance between action and theory. There's a quote out there that like an ounce of action is worth hours of theory. I, I'm butchering it, but it goes something along those lines. We need to have a balance. We cannot be all in one bag because if we're all action with no theory, we start running around with like a chicken with our head cut off. We don't know where the bars of our cage are because that's what theory teaches us and says, look, this is how communism operates. Yeah, this is how communism operates. This is how capitalism operates. You need to do the work and here's what the work is. So when these people are not actually doing the reading, that's when we're getting them running around just waving flags at one another. And I'm so, so tired of seeing, and this is again, just me being a little bit of rant box now, but I'm very tired of seeing our communist friends scream and cheer for nations that are not promoting communism. What it actually does to you, that person, is it you're you're putting their blood, like all those children that were killed, all the, you know, the the grandparents that are not getting good pensions. You're putting all that death, that disease, smear it all over your face. Smear it all over your body. Mmm, you feel that sink in? That's you exploiting child labor. <laughs> but Kyle, I don't own the means of production. No, you're just voluntarily supporting the bourgeoisie for no benefit. You are at that stage, an opportunist slash an enemy of the people. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to bully my audience here. When I say the word you, I do mean like all. And specifically, I mean all as in these people, these types that are leading with attacks, these types that are saying, hey, because you have a pride flag, your opinion as a communist doesn't matter. That's antithetical to communism. This might be a little bit of an explosive thing, but people here on my stream you should know I'm a Leninist, right? I'm hardcore Lenin. I, I, I love all of his, his work and his ideas. Stalin and I, we don't see eye to eye. Reason being, well, some of his works are pretty good and we can sure give him a little round of applause for the work that was done uh, preventing Nazism spreading in World War II. You know, the Soviet Union by far did the most for the war effort by far. However, Stalin's lineage or i'm sorry his uh his, yeah what do i want to say his culmination not a great look the bolshevik revolution was very progressive decriminalizing homosexuality decentralizing the traditional family elevating women to equal status all kinds of really really progressive work that we should be backing today but then Stalin undoes a lot of that, reemphasizes the traditional family, recriminalizes abortion, recriminalizes homosexuality, and so on and so forth. 
a lot of regressive anti-Lenin policies. So, of course, there's good and bad sides to all characters of history. But I suppose that's the other trick is, you know, we do have certain communists that hang their hat on Stalin. And as I get older, I do see it as more problematic. Maybe that's just a facet of me getting older, because when I started, I started as a Stalin boy. I was watching some documentaries. Again, this was about 2010, 2009, 2010. I was watching some very hard-to-find documentaries, and they were even a little bit older themselves. I think one of them is called Blood Upon the Snow. It's actually a very well-done history documentary about uh, the Soviet Union in World War II. But it certainly paints Stalin to be a mass murderer and a monster. Though we should know that many of these things aren't as true as they were portrayed in textbooks here in America, we should still be able to recognize that as a leader, these are still anti-Lenin policies. And I mean, again, if I guess you're going to pick, fine, you're going to pick your strong man, and I suppose I've, I've chosen Lenin. But I, you know, my life agrees more with the early Bolshevik revolution. So these people that are trying to use Stalin as their go-to, I, I, they, they rely on him to defend their bigotry. And that, again, is very much a problem. I'm going to keep using comments that I've received on TikTok today. I had a guy that said, well, you can't be using Lenin's works. They're from 1914. Why do you think we're so outdated and backwards? And he said, well, I, I didn't say any of that. You did. You made that statement up. I, I never said we must cling to something only from 1914. And I said, well, what you're trying to do is be a, a lot of a revisionist and, and change this. And he goes, a revisionist? Uh, Stalin said X, Y, and Z. Problem with their argument. So here's a guy that's saying... We're not in 1914, 1950. I mean, he's trying to say this is 2020 plus. Uh, but then he's going and quoting another person from 70 years ago. Do we see the disconnect there? When we're arguing, I'm not saying everyone here needs to be an, a master argumenter. Is that even the word? Interlocutor. I'm not saying that my entire audience needs to be expert interlocutors, but we do need to control ourselves and test our logic. That's that criticism, right? If we're going to tell our opponent, hey, don't borrow documents from over 50 years ago, then we in turn cannot say, oh, but also I'm referencing this document from 50 plus years ago. It, we've run the sword through ourselves. Is that making sense? We've fallen on our own sword in that case. And our interlocutor gets to just walk away. In that case, me. I got to make a fun little response to his video or his comment. I got to call it out. It's a nice thing about TikTok is um, when you get a comment, you can actually do a video response, which when you're combating trolls is a huge difference. Like that, I can't express how night to day difference that is. To be able to get out of the text exchange and you know, go, hey, everybody, look at this comment I received. And what I always do, again, encouraging people to go follow the, the TikTok channel, Kyle Paranormal. I like to post their comment up there and I walk people through the different sentences that I'll get sent. 
So if they start with an opener like, hey, commie, or you're just a dumb leftist or whatever their insult is, I'll remind people like this is an attack on my character, right? This, this has no weight. This is just violence, you know, text violence. Then they'll say something like, uh, you know, they'll make a logical fallacy and you know, do the time period thing. And so I get to call all of that out over there. There's been a lot of great examples because there's been a lot of incorrect information spewed. Tonight, we've kind of talked about Pat Sox and that bigotry, you know, this this new group of uh, nationalist folks that have come to socialism somehow. And what they're actually trying to bring is like that bigotry into it. Talked about that with the guy that said he discounted me for the gay opinion. Um, we've talked about the guy with the logical fallacy of time, but in bringing this whole episode back together, let's get back to that kind of racist bigotry that we started this with. Our job as communists is not to choose a side in the war. And that is not because we're lazy. It is because we know that no matter which side of this imperialist war wins, we know it all wipes the slate clean and restarts again. If Putin takes land and the war ends, guess what? The war is going to begin again and it's going to be the same areas and the same death and the same carnage. We see this all over the place. If people want to do their history, look up the term spheres of influence. That is this idea that imperialist nations declare that this swath of the world is ours to protect. America does this all the time. We have spheres of influence in South America. We say, you know, if anyone comes over here, we're gonna getcha. If you followed Nancy Pelosi's ridiculously stupid trip to Taiwan, that was America nudging China saying, Taiwan is our sphere of influence. Even though it's in your sphere of influence, we are pushing back. We want to upset spaghetti you. We want to make your life more tense. These agitations should be paid attention to. This is the stuff Lenin and the crew were seeing around the First and Second International when World War I was cropping up. They're talking about these same concepts. The, again, back to the slate being wiped clean. We are having these same battles. If you're looking at the war in Ukraine as different from World War I, they've got the wool pulled over your eyes. You are being tricked currently because it's you and it's me against the upper class. Whether you come from Russia, Ukraine, Afghanistan, India, Brazil, it matters not where you're from. If you are not the elite bourgeoisie, if you are not completely subservient to them, then you are on our side and we need to act like allies. We really need to act like allies. That means, again, if you've, actually, I don't know if I said this in this episode. I mean, I said this in a little TikTok. If you are seeing a communist that you do need to critique, approach them gently. I guess I did allude to some of this earlier. Write them politely and I really strongly recommend it not be a public comment if you're sincere. Public comments that are dissenting, disagreeing, will often always be seen as an attack. That doesn't mean that the person receiving your dissenting comment, it doesn't mean they're weak, it doesn't mean they're stupid, it means that you triggered a natural human defense mechanism. That is that we like to think we're right, 
We don't like to be told we're wrong. And when somebody tells us that, it puts us on the defensive. I want to really urge our communist friends too. If you're online and you're trying to correct people, you need to do two things. One, have your face as your profile picture. I'm scared. Well, then maybe don't be on the internet. I mean, it's not like your privacy is actually being protected, right? We've got cases in the U.S. right now, Facebook turning over um, a, a girl's abortion conversation and she's getting charged with murder as a result, right? If you, if you have an account on these platforms, they have got a ton of information on you. Your geolocation, probably your real legal name, all kinds of stuff, right? Again, don't tell me you're scared to be on the internet and put your face there because if you're saying that, you're admitting you're already too scared to use the internet. The other thing, private accounts. I advocate for people's safety, but I don't advocate for people being wishy-washy with it. So if you're going to go out there and criticize people offensively or, you know, attack or really try and critique their work, do be willing to put your real human face and self and open profile to it. Why do I say this? It builds your credibility. Or if you choose not to go with my suggestion, it detracts from your credibility. A lot of these people that come at me tend to have a cartoon picture and a lockdown profile with almost no bio, which brings up the real question of are they even human? Or is this just a bot account that is thrown at communists? AIs are real intelligent these days. You know, it doesn't, doesn't take, like, we're not talking fully sentient AI to do this. These are just troll farm accounts that can post, post, post. And it feels like you're talking to a person, but you're probably not. One of my favorite ways, again, you know, with TikTok, I, I say I do these video responses. I've gotten some real nasty, snarky ones on Instagram. And my favorite thing to do is I just send them back a voice message instead. I send them back voice messages and I say, hey. Yeah, this is Kyle. I just wanted you to you know, hear my voice, know I'm a real person, and, and I understand you're trying to start a fight with me, but here's my views on this, and you know, now I, you know, I think you're too far entrenched in this, so I'm going to close this conversation, but I just want to let you know, here's my stance, yada, 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 bye. I sent one of those to somebody yesterday who was a monarchist. Oh, speaking of that, I ran into someone today that claimed, uh, this was one of the people's arguing me, they, they said that they're a communist, theocratic, monarchist. So, communist means they want a classless, moneyless society, generally speaking. Theocratic means they want rule by religion. So that defeats the communism part, right? And then they're a monarchist, which means they want a noble class to be reinstilled, to have a divinely appointed king and queen sort of position. Again, not a communist. That person actually argued with me that they were, and I said, I'm sorry, but, you know, fundamentally, you cannot be a communist if you believe in a monarchy. They do not work together. This is where I say that phrase of, like, helpful or kind of kind gatekeeping to communism. We, we, we do need, 
I guess it's simply just a reminder to lock your car at night, lock your doors. That That's the type we're talking about. We're not saying lock uh, droves of starving people outside. We're saying, no, just, just do some minor security. Let's not let the fascists in. Because if we let them in, they will pervert us from the inside. They will spread like a cancer and destroy any communist movement we've got because they will tell people that they are communists and that this is what communism is. And it will become a malignant, awful cesspool. So again, we're not locking the homeless, the unfed outside. We're just locking the fascists out. We're locking the bigots out. That's something we actually need to do as communists. We need to stand our ground, but we need to know theory to back it. Not because we're trying to be brainy intellectuals and say, oh, you're so stupid. You don't read Lenin, you idiot. Wrong. I had what I thought was a communist in my Twitch chat. Uh, someone asked the question very politely. Kyle, what is socialism? To which this, what I thought was a communist responded, go read a book. Incorrect answer. Don't want to see any of our communist friends out there ever just say, go read a book. You can say, hey, I've got some really great resources from Lenin. Here's some good ones I recommend. Here's Stalin. Here's Mao. Here's whatever you want to recommend. But it is on us to do a little bit of kindness. This is not to also say that you need to harm your mental state or harm your physical safety by doing any of this. I do want to go back around and kind of draw. I've said this in previous TikToks. I've said this, I think, in previous episodes here. You do need to take care of yourself as a communist. There is no point to arguing endlessly with people of bad faith. And to be clear, a bad faith argument or a bad faith interlocutor is someone who gets into an argument with you because they are convinced they're right and there is no way you're going to influence or critique their thinking. The internet has really devolved into bad faith arguments. Twitter as a whole is a great example of a lot of bad faith arguments. Those are the things where... You'd be like, I love the color green. And someone would be like, does that mean you hate red? Ugh. And, you know, they get into those fights. That everything is just about making the other person look bad and stupid. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just any kind of negative term you want to put on it. A bad faith interlocutor or argumenter, they are someone who isn't worth your time. Discerning who those people are should be one of our constant states of mind as communists trying to help one another. We should be looking at the people that are commenting and even asking some questions. You know, here's some self-critique. I, I had gotten a slew of nasty comments and I was posting rebuttals to them. And then one guy came in and wrote a comment I thought was also snarky. And I posted a rebuttal. And I went after this guy in the comment and I said, look at why this guy is, you know, thinking all this stuff. Uh, this is not good. And then he responds and goes, oh, Kyle, I actually agreed with you. That was, that was sarcasm. And I went, whoops, sorry, comrade. That was my bad. I couldn't tell. It's important that we do try to both as communists that are posting sarcasm and stuff, 
really make it clear whose side you're on. You know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to do that. But it's also, it's really on us to try to still see good in people and try to see people as swayable because that is a big part of organizing and agitating. A little earlier I mentioned there's people that are doing it in person and there's people that are doing it online. I think specifically I said there are people that are doing it internationally. What I also had mentioned was we do have these people online, this kind of middle group that I don't love. This middle group only fights in the comment section. They often fight with bad faith arguments. They often fight saying that they know more, that they're more intelligent, that they're more versed, that their interlocutor doesn't know things. My TikTok videos are certainly a little bit snarky, but the people I'm up against don't seem to identify as communists. Most of them open with attacks. I try not to get into really debating things in those comments, but instead to use their comments that they leave as the backdrop for a new video. Again, to dissect and to teach. Because that's, again, what we're here for, comrades. We are trying to teach one another. I hope this episode has been useful to folks. I've covered a lot and in a little bit of a rambly order. I hope I tied up most of my loose ends. Uh, I'll use the last couple minutes here, though, to just double down on a reminder. People need to go and read some of these amazing pieces of work by Lenin. I'm going to quote him out here again. The Working Class and the National Question from 1913. More about nationalism, 1914. The European War and International Socialism from 1914. And the one I'm getting into now the task of revolutionary social democracy in the European war, 1914. That work, um, just a quick reminder, that the word social democracy at the time was a describing term for Marxism, as I've come to understand it from my own reading and listening. So just to help frame that for people, I, I hope I've done a decent job distilling some of these terms today. I like to remember that we have comrades coming from all different walks of life, that learning communism is learning jargon, that it is a little bit exclusionary to people that don't, that haven't done the learning. Um, that's why I would like to, you know, throw back to that channel Socialism for All. I really like the narrator. They do some opening notes that usually frame the piece in a modern context. And if they don't do a big forward, they do an even bigger summary at the end. That's the part. I don't want to speak for you 100%, but I was wondering, I might start recommending to people, you here and people on Twitch, that you might want to skip to the summary for some of these. If you are listening to a part of it and you just, your eyes are glazing over and you're like, you know, I think I'm going to turn this off and go back to Netflix. Instead, skip to the summary. Socialism for All does them chapter-based too, YouTube chapters, so you can actually skip to the summary very easily. I want to recommend that you do that because Lenin's works, though I love them, he references many Oh, many comrades from 1914 and from Europe. And if you're here as an American in 2022, the names are going to sound strange to you. You're not going to probably know a lot of the movement history that that one person was associated with. Uh, Lenin also does this with like different groups within Russia. He'll talk about, I think it's the 
the Black 100 or something like that. It's kind of a, an alt-right group sort of deal. Like they were pro-Czar sort of deal. I, I'm probably messing that up a little bit. But, you know, he'll refer to these like micro groups, these these people that are not major players now, ones that you wouldn't be like, oh, I know who that is. I know. I understand. And if you don't understand, you're maybe going to lose that whole sentence or two. Maybe that whole paragraph's not going to make sense. So, again, before giving up on any of these pieces of work, skip to the sum a summary of it. Hear what the uh, narrators is adding on to it, because that can really, really help. As comrades, that's what we're here to do when we talk about reading groups, when we talk about book clubs. We are here to just help make it more accessible. I am only one person in a massive, massive millions of people, multi-millions of people group throughout history that's been trying to advance socialism. And so are you. We are part of this together. So do remember, we have a legacy we're trying to uphold. And that legacy is helping one another. We're trying to get people food. We're trying to get people housing. We're trying to destroy the elite class that exploits us. We're trying to get the means back in the hands of the proletarian, the people that are actually working and struggling. So do not be choosing Russia in a, an imperialist war. I assure you that just puts you, you know, you're, you're, you're shaking hands and kissing Putin. And if that's what you want to do, if that, turns you on mentally or physically well maybe less on the physical part but if that turns you on mentally to be sucking putin's face you probably are not a communist because if you were you would be against his values if you were really carrying the heart of communism you would look and say that is a guy who cracks down on minority groups that is a guy who silences calls for peace and as communists, the only valid war is a class war. All of these other imperialist wars are meant to distract us. There is no, I, you can't say, hey, Russia's capitalist, but it's just defending itself by attacking its neighbors. That's, that's not how communism or socialism works. I just, I want to assure you. And I guess I want to say it like I want to assure because I've seen people in my comments saying, oh my goodness, thank you for saying this. Thank you for sharing this view. I felt like this since the start of the war, but communists have been trying to make me feel guilty for not choosing Putin. Russia tears down a bunch of Lenin statues. I could show you a whole archive of that if that, again, is something that appeals to you. There's a lot of it. We can't be throwing bombs and blowing up the few remaining Soviet monuments in Ukraine and being like, well, we love socialism and communism. No, but Kyle, Putin still carries on the, the victory day parades. As real communists, we can look at that and the way we should be seeing it to shift your thinking, what you should be seeing is that's a man who's pulling out a bunch of red banners from the attic, taking people's true passions, true intentions of building a real socialist communist society. And instead of working towards building it, he's taking all those things out of the mothball attic and he's dragging them out just to brainwash and manipulate the feelings of people within Russia. And again, just so people know that this isn't strictly my opinion, please, Talk to Russian communists. 
And if you were talking to Russian communists, I know this is going to sound like a little bit of a, almost like a, a tricky doubling down. But if you're talking to Russian communists that are backing Putin's ideology, they themselves may not be communists. It's again, very common to see groups of people that will say that they're X, Y, and Z, when in fact they are not. And socialism is one of those large umbrella terms that has historically been manipulated, right? The Nazi party was a national socialist party. Pat Sox. Whew, I feel like we're towards the end of this today. I'll do my final reminder. Boo on the United States. Boo on NATO. Boo on the Ukrainian government, just so everyone is happy. Uh, hooray to all of our comrades, regardless of what country they're trapped in right now. Uh, whatever country you're toiling in, just know we appreciate you. If you've taken any offense to this episode, it is a great time to go and read Lenin, to look in the mirror, to evaluate what your values are. And I would suggest you actually write them out on a piece of paper. Say to, you know, write to yourself, can be your phone app, whatever notes there, you know, do it wherever you want. But just say, my values as a communist, I want to feed people. I want to house people. I want to take away the power from the rich that exploit us. I want to dismantle religious institutions that perpetuate sexual abuse. I want to, you know, and be very inclusive about who you're going after in that list, right? I mean, as a gay man, one of the groups that is in my kind of sphere that we need to address is that we do have somewhat of a harmful uh, element to the LGBT community. It is not the majority of gay people or trans people or, you know, anyone else on, on the list. It isn't that the individuals are causing the harm. It is the political institution that claims to be LGBT at times. This isn't some rallying cry to turn against gay people. Not by any means. I'll fight you tooth and nail to the end. I'll, I'll, I'll pull out all the texts. I'll even get Stalin texts that prove you wrong, even though he'll himself poop on them three minutes later. But the point being, as communists, we must defend all minorities. But we shouldn't let people that rise to the top of those groups manipulate and deceive. We must be self-critical of our groups. And that's where it has its best strength, to be self-critical of the groups that you're in. If you are a religious comrade, you should be policing your own religious sphere. As a gay comrade, I try and police my own gay sphere. Because I don't like to get into wars with people that are not from the same background as me. I have less to add. I have less expertise. And honestly, I'd be telling them that their lived experience is incorrect. But that is a call that if you're part of one of these groups, whatever it is, you're white, you're black, you're Muslim, you're Christian, you're gay, you're trans, you're bi, whatever, however, you are part of any of these organizations, these groups, these parts, these peoples. It is our responsibility to instill communist values there, to make sure that those people are not becoming the exploiting class, because that's the real allure of the bourgeoisie mindset. Hey, if I just accumulate a little bit more, I can hop out of the proletariat somehow and I can maybe become my own bourgeoisie and I can exploit other people. All groups do this. And it's that idea that 
my group doesn't. That, my friends, is like the most antithetical to communism. To say that your group, that you are above it to that extreme. No, we're all in it together. This is the collectivized mindset. We are responsible for our neighbor, for their bad and their good. Because if we can see it and we can help change it, then we should. So embrace your comrades of diverse backgrounds. Politely, effectively critique your comrades that are going off the rails. If you're seeing posts online and you want to get involved with it, again, I recommend people unprivate. I recommend people put a real picture of their face, a real recent picture of their face, something that identifies. I guess I didn't really explain that super well earlier, but I had some people telling me how uh, I had a, a person that claimed to be Russian arguing against my points saying, you know, well, I'm Russian. Communism destroyed my country. When a Russian person responded to them writing in Cyrillic and in, in Russian, they wrote back in English characters. Sorry, I'm drawing a blank. They wrote back in, in our, uh, you know, they wrote back in English fully saying, hey, uh, I haven't lived in Russia for six years. I'm in America. I forgot how to speak the language. I don't think if I were out of America for 30 years, I don't think I would forget how to read it or how to speak it. What a strange comment to make on a platform that also has an auto-translate built into every comment. <laughs> Left the country over six years ago and is still arguing that communism destroyed it. Very interesting. Goes back to that comment I made about abandoning your place, huh? Well, thank you for listening to my rant box tonight. I hope these things made sense. If they did or did not, please make sure you follow me over on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch. Those are the three I'm going to drive you to. Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch, all under the name Kyle Paranormal. Very easy to find me. I'll be the guy that's got the red flag profile picture. That is a real 1970s. Oh, please go check that out. It's gorgeous. It's a real 1970s Soviet flag. It says, glory to the workers of the Soviet Union. Uh, on it, it's got all the different uh, SSRs listed on the front and their little uh, emblems on the back. It's got a big picture of Lenin. Oh, it is a great flag. I'm super thankful to some of my Russian and Ukrainian friends that have hooked me up with a lot of this stuff. Got a bunch of Lenin pins. I've got some friends in Russia that are trying to send me a, a Soviet flag topper <laughs> to go with it when I get that. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. He also went out to a flea market and bought me some little Lenin heads, little like statuette dude, you know, busts. Probably what, like five inch, maybe less size. I, they're the coolest things ever. Oh, and I've got a final book recommendation. This is more for collectors and the people that are respectful of the Soviet Union. I want you to check out a book called Lenin's Legacy. It is a book that compiles both history of the Soviet Union and it has a full, like, beautiful photo breakdown of tons of badges, awards, busts, statues, wall placards, you name it, flags. Oh my gosh, it is it is gorgeous. It retails, uh, I got mine for about $30 US. 
it originally was 60 when it was published in 2000. I think it was 2000, 2001. It's, it's an older book now, but it's a beautiful hardback and the images are just high quality. I've seen some others out there for like $40 on eBay. Really great. Uh, my Russian friends love it. I've been sending them some videos of it. I'm like, look, look. So it's it's just really, really cool. I wanna thank you all for being amazing and listening. I wanna thank people for being very, very heartfelt and compassionate to one another. That is at the core of communism that we must strike back against our enemies here and there. We need to remember that our neighbor, our comrade with us is not our enemy and that we need to work to bridge those gaps. We also need to remember that our credibility matters if we can't show our face, if we can't say you know something about ourselves, if we can't validate where we're from, like that person that forgot Russian. I, I should mention they were on a private account with a fake profile picture. Uh, how, how would I actually believe that they're Russian, right? Well, why would I? What, you forgot your own language. You don't live there. You don't have a picture of it. You have no videos of it. You don't speak in, you know, don't write in Cyrillic. Like you, you aren't who you say you are. And if you're not that, then we got to imagine you're Chuck at the FBI, right? We got to imagine you're just some random person online trying to subvert the movement. So do lead with your heart still, folks. Lead with your heart, but remember that you don't owe anyone your time to fight in the comment section. And with that, I am leaving you all. Stay super safe. The next live stream will be Thursday. Uh, that will be our pioneer night for anyone that wants to join. We are creating our own division of the pioneers, like the Soviet model. We are creating a program that is for teaching kids and adults about socialism. But more than that, we teach activism skills. We teach homesteading skills, survival skills, firearm skills. We are truly borrowing from the Pioneer Handbook. I've got one sitting in the other room from the 1960s. I've looked up dozens more online. Um, maybe I shouldn't say dozens, but you know, I've looked up multiples online. I can get people PDFs to those too, if you'd like, just to see them. They're really cool, really beautiful illustrations. Uh, that we meet on Thursday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Monday nights are Marxism Monday over on Twitch as well. So Pioneer Night is Thursday on Twitch. Marxism Mondays are Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That one's a little bit more of a free rant night where we talk all about theory. We talk about ideas of communism. We debate some detractors in chat. Uh, but ultimately, it's just a fun night to hang out with our friends and, and share communist ideology. We do a lot of deprogramming from capitalism. And then Instagram, I post on daily, lots of stories, lots of uh, pictures there, lots of Lenin stuff, relevant memes to get you thinking about how the class struggle works and what's going on in the capitalist world around us. I'm telling you, it's just chock full of it. And I've been talking all about TikTok tonight. That one is just full of rhetorical debates and such. So thank you for listening to this episode. I think this episode or uh, the Kyle's Communist Book Club will come out about every two weeks. I'm certainly active daily on TikTok and Instagram, Twitch multi-times a week, and then this podcast kind of falls in at about an every two-week thing, just so you have a rough idea of where I land and stand on it all. If you want to become a member of the Pioneers or support this podcast financially, that would be amazing. We're all struggling as inflation rises around the globe. I myself continue to make my living off of this network and what we do here, so if you'd like to support me personally so I can keep doing what I'm doing without having to sell out and go, you know, uh, start working for local bourgeoisie again, then please consider going over to coffee.com. That is K-O-F-F-E-E. 
ko-fi.com forward slash Kyle Paranormal. You can also go to ko-fi.com forward slash pioneers, whichever is easier for you. They both redirect to the same page. It's got a big Soviet flag on the top. It's got a ton of pioneer pictures there. You can't miss it. Once you're there, you'll know where you are. You can subscribe for the $5 level. That is the absolute minimum. That one will get you into the Discord server and a couple other perks to go along with it. But really, if you want to get into the most beefy and like well-loved role, that is very clearly the $25 a month tier. We call those the explorers. At that level, you get our archive of videos. So we're archiving our Pioneer Nights. We're archiving our Marxism Monday Nights, at least to the best of my ability. And uh, those nights, you can go catch them in the backlog. You get higher tiers, higher access for the Discord server. There is a $55 a month one. That is uh, really great if you're looking to get some cool Lennon pins and some Pioneer stuff in the mail. I was able to score a pack of six Lennon pins. I've got one on right now, actually, from this pack. And that means that there's going to be five other lucky people that can get a hold of it. If you want to get your own Lennon pin that matches the crew... Also, we're going to be including Pioneer Scarves in the future. Those will mail out to people with U.S. addresses. Those will go out every quarter, so they're a quarterly bundle. You're going to get some of their homemade items in there, potentially some candles that we made, some homemade soaps. So a lot of, like, survival goods from around the house that we create. And that's what we do with Pioneer Nights. We teach people sewing. We teach soap making. We teach candle making. All the things that, you know, if the revolution starts, how are you going to participate? Well, being able to make your own light source. Real helpful if the electricity goes out. Uh, learning how to triage wounds. Really helpful when they start firing at your friends, right? All these these skills, that's what we're teaching. We really want to tap people out there in the audience that know more. If you are someone that's a theory expert and you understand how to teach people, and I mean, if what I mean by understand how to teach people is you understand we need to lead by positive example. You like having these good conversations. You're not calling people idiots. If you're one of those good teachers out there and you know theory, we'd love to have you especially. Come help me. Come help teach. We're building this together, and I want our good comrades. So for now, I'll let you all go. Be really safe out there. Monkeypox is spreading. COVID's not gone. There's a lot to be worried about, a lot to stay actionable on. Be real good to each other, comrades. Paka. Bye-bye. See you next time.